This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. On today's episode, we will discuss the weekend that wasn't for the Pittsburgh Penguins as they lost three straight games for the first time since October. But it won't all be bad as we will also discuss the 40th anniversary of the 1980 Miracle on Ice United States gold medal winning team. And we will also finish up the episode by talking about Yaromir Yager, the great Pittsburgh Penguin, and discuss where he belongs on the list of all-time greats to wear the black and gold. You're tuned in to the tip of the iceberg. Welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg, episode 43. My name is Nick Berlansky, and I'm joined, as always, by Nick Horwath. Been a rough weekend if you're a Pittsburgh Penguins fan, that was for sure. You know what? Nine unanswered goals in six periods pissed me off, man. Yeah, pissed you off, pissed everybody off, especially, I think, players on the team. Yeah, and that was just before we even got to the Washington game, which, you know, was, you know, a much better played game for the Penguins. Oh, yeah, much um, better, much better. We'll talk about all that and more, especially the Washington game we'll touch on a little bit more. We're also going to talk a little bit about Yarmir Yager and what could be coming up for him. Yes, a future for him yeah. with the Pittsburgh Penguins organization, so we'll, we'll talk about that. But I wanted to start off the afternoon or morning or whenever you're listening to this. I wanted to start it off by talking about something good that happened over the weekend. And that is the 40th anniversary of the Miracle on Ice team. Coach Herb Brooks, of course, took a group of college hockey boys to the 1980 Lake Placid Olympics where they defeated the unbeatable Soviets 4-3 to in the medal rounds before ultimately defeating Finland for the gold medal in 1980. Doing the impossible. Do you believe in miracles? Yes. Fantastic call by Al Michaels. Did you happen to watch the showing of the Disney movie on Saturday on NHL Network? On Saturday, I was busy. I was out. I was busy hanging out with a friend. Actually, <laughs> you were busy hanging um, out with a friend. Yes. All right, fair enough. But when it comes to that moment in time, it's it was a moment that excelled sports and exceeded just a ragtag group of. You know, it 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 exceeded uh, an upset. Essentially, is what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned it was a bunch of college hockey kids. They not only were a bunch of college hockey kids, a bunch of college hockey kids that hated each other they were rivals before they joined team usa it was mostly university of minnesota Minnesota. boys and boston Mm. university kids so it's they were there was bad blood the entire time until they finally realized that we're a team fighting for this country and like i said sports aside it was in the heat of the cold war and when you talk about sports it was the unstoppable USSR team against like you said like I said this ragtag group of kids that don't like each other mm-hmm. um, obviously the times before the NHL players were in but I I think that's what makes it all the more sweeter as a thing that happened yeah and I mean if you look anywhere it's voted as the best moment best sports moment I should say of the 20th century of a hundred full years that's the best sports moment and it really is crazy looking back on it. Unfortunately, we're not old enough to have been able to see it, but it's something that 
even people like we I said like our our age and we weren't born till what 96 97 yep. we still know the whole story not only because of the fantastic disney movie that was made with Kurt Russell but just because of the level of the achievement that it was being hockey fans that's one of the first stories you hear and yeah. i think a big part of it is is the fact that it was the greatest upside of all time and al michaels said it really well on that showing of Miracle on Ice on NHL Network, he said, it's something that has ne had never happened before and it's something that fortunately will never happen again because there should not hopefully be two countries that will be that at odds with each other off of the ice. He said, yeah. what are we going to do now? You know, the Taliban versus the United States in hockey, that's not something that's going to happen. So to have arch-rival countries butting heads and then their teams, of course, the, the USSR team, basically a professional hockey team more than that it was like more than that they were beating nhl all-stars by yeah. five goals they had some of the best hockey players of that decade and again this group of kids basically goes out makes up the upset and this is the 40-year anniversary of this past weekend so just stick taps to them and i just wanted to start off the show and i'm sure you wanted to start off the show the same way just getting a nice feel-good story because now we got to get into the shit yep now we got to get pissed off one one more thing before that, we did have our pens poll last week. It was if their respective levels of performance stay the same as they are now. Who do you go with for game one of the NHL playoffs, Murray or Jari? Our results were Matt Murray, 56.3% over Tristan Jari, who had 43.8%. So we'll, we'll post another poll later today, and we'll talk about that. But we already talked about that enough. Let's get into the games, shall we? <laughs> get sure. into the meat of this episode which is the shit of this episode we'll start with since our last show the first game was a four nothing loss to the toronto maple leafs nothing going nothing i have really re like repressed that game out of my memory i don't really remember how it all went down i remember jake muzzin former penguin draft pick by the way being the best player on the ice for the maple leafs and that being said, him being the one that called the Maple Leafs out after getting shellacked by us. It was the beginning of just what was just a bad group of games. Nothing was just just nothing going right. I thought I was at least hopeful after the first period whenever we well, there was no score. I was like, oh, that's at least a good start. I'm not expecting another five to two, five nothing victory, but I'm at least expecting a good game. The Leafs finally for once in a long time looked like the Leafs. I, that's why I was also not shocked by that loss. That's what that team should be doing. Yeah, like, they're literally a bunch of cheat codes on a team. Yeah, like when we were beating the hell out of them. I mean, I know they're not going. They're they're going through it right now. Like they are not in a good spot. But I figured, okay, the, us beating them was just adding more heat to the fire of them just being garbage at the moment. But then they finally decided to look like the team that they should and you know, gave it back to us. Good on them for doing that. Then we saw where that went with them, by the way, not not being able to beat a friggin' Zamboni driver. Their own Zamboni. See, it wouldn't be as bad if it was somebody else's, but you're paying this man to drive your Zamboni, and then he shuts down your superstar $11 million players. It wasn't even that he shut them down. It's that he only had to face 10 shots. Yeah, that's, that's, that's also embarrassing, and the Penguins are guilty of that to no end and not and not shooting the puck but at least we know there's an nhl goalie we're shooting at so if we're getting shots and they're getting stopped that makes sense 
This well, isn't that, a Leafs podcast, though. <laughs> we should probably that's move true. on. That leads me to Saturday, which was the only, other than after what happened to Pittsburgh against Buffalo, the watching Miracle on Ice, watching that whole thing unfold with the emergency backup goalie in Toronto, because I watched that whole game, it made me a little happier. It, it got me out of my I'm going to throw my fist through a wall rage that I was in, because as we're going to talk about a little bit here, the Penguins lost 5-2, to two to the hapless Buffalo Sabres and Carter Hutton, who decided, again, he wants to be a Vezina candidate when he plays the Pittsburgh Penguins because yeah. that's all he does. Yeah, you tweeted that out. I can. I, you tweeted that out, and someone else tweeted something about the um, Sabres only winning twice against us in regulation in the last like seven or so appearances, and both of those things I saw baffled me because – I didn't realize Carter Hutton played that well against us, but I also genuinely thought the Sabres had our number on occasion. Like I thought they at least, you know, gave us good games. I don't recall beating them too too often really. Um that's the way I look at when we played Detroit almost. Like, yeah, they're not a great team, but they always kind of give us a run for our money. And I just figured that's what Buffalo was doing again. Then Carter Hutton decided to continue to stand on his head. I it's ridiculous watching us try and play against a goalie like that but it was also a game that just nothing felt like it was going right um couldn't complete passes yeah yeah couldn't complete passes i'm not i'm never one to blame refs but dear god sometimes please just make a call um and just nothing was going well and we were still on the heels of you know being shut out by the leafs so it wasn't good um giving up the first goal 14 seconds in (laughs) Tzemgis Gergensons of all people. Yeah, who... Come on now. This isn't 2013. He's not an all-star. Right. It, it's a brutal... It was a brutal game. To to be at... I'm always excited to go to hockey games. That was the first game I'd been to in a while where me and my buddies looked at each other and said, we're leaving. <laughs> and we did. We left with like five or so minutes left. We missed the second Malkin goal, which I didn't even know he scored oh, for wow. a little while. Boohoo, he scored his 20th, cool. Uh, we'll, we'll obviously get into all that later, too, as well. You wanted to. But uh, it was just one game I'd, I'd never said to myself in a while, let's leave. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, I've seen us lose some bad games. I've never got hit that point. And I'm still not and at it... that point of giving up on the team. Oh, oh no. But no, like... no, 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 no. Nobody's given up on the Penguins yeah. on this podcast. We both fully believe that they're still primed to make a Stanley Cup run. At least I'm I'm still fully in the mindset that they're ready to make a Stanley Cup run. It's just this weekend was it was tough to watch, especially yeah. in that Buffalo game. When we get to the Caps game and we'll get to it in a minute, at least they showed fire, at least they showed something, at least they showed the ability to yeah. play a modicum of a piece of a hockey game. Against Buffalo, even Sid at five on five seemed like a non factor. He just yeah. didn't seem like he was out there, and it was awful. Yeah. Buffalo, the loss to Buffalo, I should say, the loss to Toronto before that, just two absolutely god-awful performances. You mentioned it. They gave up nine straight from the third period of the first Toronto game on through the first period of the Buffalo game. Mm-hmm. It was just awful performances. I don't know what happened because on Tuesday it seemed like the team was clicking on all cylinders, and it seemed like the high of the season at that point to this point, that was probably the best we've seen them play, and it seemed like they were getting ready to go on this monster run, and instead we're on a three-game losing streak. Regardless of how 
the whole team played and what the outcomes looked like. Yeah, Crosby wasn't that great in the Buffalo game, but I just want to say that line is clicking. They look good together. Even in those losses, I felt like they were putting up some of our best chances, and obviously they played phenomenally in the first Toronto game. Seeing Zucker and Crosby, like they already have a chemistry that came out of nowhere, it seems. And Simone being out there has his own sort of chemistry and is able to feed them pretty well. It's been a hell of a line to watch. Like the Toronto game, they played well. The Buffalo game, I just they're fast. Like they're a fast line that don't seem to be able to be contained. And it's if they get clicking very well, like they were in Tor- against Toronto um, at home. It's something to be feared. It's a very good, solid line that I'm going to enjoy watching for the rest of the season. Yeah, and it's it shows the really the difference between the two types of line mates Crosby can have. There's line mates like Dom Simone that gets on Crosby's side and his style of play fits, and it makes Simone seem better, and Crosby elevates his game. And then there's a player like Jason Zucker, and there was a good article in The Athletic, I don't remember who wrote it, I think it might have been Rob Rossi, about Jason Zucker trying to adapt to playing with Sidney Crosby, and he said it best. There's only a couple players that when playing with Sidney Crosby also help elevate Sid's game to the level of, hey, this guy being on his wings making him better, making Sid better somehow. Right. And there's only been about three guys before Zucker that was able to do that, and that's Kunitz. Dupuis and Gensel. So that's okay. a very short list for 15 yeah. years. Even though there are players like Colby Armstrong who had success with Sidney Crosby on that line, it's sort of like a Dom Simone situation where getting on his line, the style of play that you play goes with Sidney Crosby and it's going to make you better. But these players, you saw, and I guess we'll just jump right into it because other than those just saying it's awful performances, we don't need to speak about the Toronto and Buffalo games anymore unless you have something else to say. Other than just... My highlight from the Buffalo game was um, watching someone get try and get under the skin of Malkin, and he goes on to score two. When he scored his first one, I thought maybe, hey, this could be a turning point because you lit a fire under Malkin, and he's a guy you don't want to do that with. But, I mean, clearly that didn't happen. But it's one that um, Malkin's a guy you don't want to piss off because he will punch you in the face and then immediately go out and try and score and punch you in the scoreboard. So... And that's the kind of fire you like to see from Gino. Yeah, and it's the fire we saw again on Sunday afternoon. The Pens played the Caps. Of course, not the result we wanted yet again, but they played better. Better game at least, yes. They played much better. They didn't play good against Buffalo. They didn't play good against Toronto. It was just hapless performances. You looked awful. And then you have the Caps who came in basically also playing awful. They had lost four straight. They had lost, I believe, seven of their last ten games. So they yeah, weren't playing well like at that. all. But we both were on the Caps Trip podcast that will be coming out also today on their episode 43. And we said it and we said it well. It doesn't matter if one team is 60-0 and or the other team's 0-60. When these two teams play each other, it's going to be a good game. It doesn't matter that the Washington was on a skid. It doesn't matter that Pittsburgh had played two absolutely god-awful games. These two teams came to play. And they put on a beautiful performance, again, on national television on a Sunday matinee. Mm -hmm. And just this time, the Penguins came out on the short end. They had it in the first period. They had it in the second period. The third period, giving up four goals, you can't really do that. No, yeah, that one you can't do. That's what hurt, obviously. Um, And I don't know. I mean, I I couldn't 
like really take in a lot of it because I was at work just kind of watching on a small TV as much as I could. Mm-hmm. But um, things were looking very positive whenever you know Malkin tied it or um, Hork was tie- Hork was tied it, and I forget who had the second goal now. Crosby. That's right, Sidney Crosby. Twenty six seconds later, yeah. Yeah, like things were looking good for a lot of that game. Things were looking on the bright side. But you can't just, you know, go down and give up five, four. I mean, I don't know who I'm not putting blame, but dear God, Schultz doesn't look good. Pedersen did not look good at, during that game. And Trotman looked awful. Why is Trotman in the lineup? I didn't even realize he was in the lineup, but Yeah, they, they took out Riekel is healthy scratch right now. We'll we'll talk about that. What we'll finish your finish what you were saying. Our yeah, just our defense is bumped, bruised, and not playing well. Um, even when Dumlin and Marino inevitably come back, which might be this upcoming road trip, you gotta hope that Schultz can return to some sort of form. I'm not saying to return to his scoring ways, but to do something where he doesn't look like hot garbage. Patterson's got a long contract ahead of him now. Same situation. We're not looking for, you know, perfection from anyone. We're not looking for perfection from anyone, but it's just something to not look terrible. And, yeah, you mentioned Pedersen. You can't give anybody on the Capitals. I don't care that it was Tom Wilson. You can't give anybody on the Capitals, or maybe anybody in the NHL for that matter. You can't turn the puck over in four-on-four four, yeah. in the middle of the ice, giving them a breakaway from center ice. You might as well have just called it a penalty shot goal because – Nobody was near him. Yeah. That was a horrendous turnover by Marcus Pedersen. Yeah. That now, one I'm I, not one. Go ahead. I was going to say, like, that one I remember watching because I looked up and I saw we had a 4-on-4 four four about to start. I'm like, okay, 4-on-4, four four, a lot of open ice. Penguins are usually pretty good at that. Um, at first, I didn't know who it was I was trying to carry it in. I just saw, you know, a, like I saw a body go down and someone race in a red jersey racing the other way. And the second I saw him start racing the other way, I knew it was going in. There was no stopping it because that just looked bad. Early on a 4-on-4, that was the turning point of that whole game. It sucked. (laughs) Yeah. And you know what? I'm not one to usually get on Marcus Pedersen because he does make some mistakes, but he's, one, a young defenseman, and, two, he makes up for it when he plays defensively sometimes. Yeah. He has way more upside than downside when it comes to his career as of right now. It's players like Justin Schultz. It's players like Zach Trotman and Jack Johnson. I'm not saying Johnson played bad. He got out of position a lot because he was going for the big hit, which, cool, I enjoy when you make big hits in a game against the Washington Capitals, but don't go bury somebody behind the net when it's not your guy, leaving your guy, (coughs) TJ Oshie, wide open in front of the net to score what I believe ended up being, yep, the game-winning goal. Yep. Can't do it. I hate T.J. Yoshi, and I mentioned, and go listen to the Capitals podcast if you want to hear me talk about T.J. Yoshi and how much I don't like him. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can't. You, he's a skilled player, man. There's nothing you can do about that. T.J. Yoshi knows how to score, and he will do it against us. We've seen it many times before. Mm-hmm. So we mentioned Sid and Zucker have a fantastic rapport already. Yep, which is great to see. If you're going to take one thing out of these three games, it's going to be that. Yeah. That Jason Zucker coming into Pittsburgh is looking pretty good with Sidney Crosby. So that's, as of right now, looks like a really good move on behalf of general manager Jim Rutherford. But as far as the defense is concerned, it looked bad all weekend. It looked really bad. And they are, we spoke last Thursday 
on our episode. On episode 42, go listen to it if you want to hear us talk about how confident we are in the Penguins' defense court right now, how confident we are, and how much more confident we are than we were last year at this time. Right now, I look at that, and I say, I can't believe I said that. Because I, s- I think we might have just jinxed them. I said put a big asterisk next to last to our last ga- uh, our last podcast. Yeah, I mean, all, all intents and purposes. That's why we're not mentioning anything about trades, because this is going to come out at 3 a.m., on Monday the 24th, which is trade deadline day, mm-hmm. I don't want to mention anything about trades. Yeah. Because... Other than the fact that maybe, maybe Jim Rutherford will go out and get a depth defenseman. Pens need defensive reinforcements. And I think the biggest thing, and I think you will agree, is getting back the two guys that you said will be joining them on their California road trip. That's Brian Dumlin and that's John Marino. Yep. That's how you fix that problem. That's exactly how you fix it. It's the, It's your... Your number one A guy next to Latang, so he's on. He's your first line defenseman. With he's Letang. your number one guy. You know what I mean, though. Like he's on the first line. Boom, yeah. Boom. Then you have your. I mean, I don't know where they're gonna stick him exactly, but John Marino could be your number two line guy. It's they're two of your top defensemen coming back after a week where our defense has looked awful. And like I said, you just hope Justin Schultz looks better, and then go from there. <laughs> And by no means at all is it time to panic if you're a Pittsburgh Penguins fan. Not at all. You lost three games in a row. That's the first time they've done that since October. Yeah. And But you look at the way they played against the Capitals, they very easily could have won that hockey game. Yeah. It just didn't go their way. I mean, I'd say it was the bounces, but at the same time, on the goals three and on goal four, you ran into your own goaltender. Yeah. Leaving up the puck right in the middle of the crease. So, again, goes back to the defense. Not time to panic if you're a Pittsburgh Penguins fan at all. Yeah, the way I see it is if Pedersen doesn't give up that puck to Tom Wilson, we win that game. That was the turning point right there cuz we I'm not saying we score on that play, but we at least hold on to a lead for a little bit longer, not switching momentum on an instant like that. And especially on a goal that I don't know what the word I'm looking for. That just Tom Wilson on a breakaway, that pretty of a goal, it really changes the momentum and it really changes how that entire arena felt. Because that just erupted after that, and it didn't yeah. stop. And that was only, a, what, a minute into the third period? Something like that. I don't minute 16 exactly. into the third period. So you can't – it's it's an egregious turnover, and I, I'm sure Pedersen is going to be kicking himself the entire way to where we play next, L.A. and Staples Center. So I'm sure he'll be kicking himself the whole way to there. But like you said, Brian Dumoulin is the best defenseman the Pittsburgh Penguins have. He should be back, hopefully, at some point in the next three games. John Marino is the third best defenseman, in my opinion. I think it's Dumoulin, Latang, Marino. Okay. And I think you put Marino with Pedersen, it's going to make Pedersen a lot better, too. The only thing that, that bothers me is if that leaves Schultz and Johnson as a third pairing, that pairing got torched last year in the playoffs. So I don't know if that's what I want to see or not, because both of those guys are playing not their best hockey right now. And the only other thing I do want to say is, I don't know what Mike Sullivan has against Yuso Rikola. Yeah. But he has much better puck movement skills than five of the six defensemen we skated out there on Sunday. And the embarrassment of how bad they were with the puck in the defensive zone. It makes yeah. no sense to have Trotman out there over R- Rikola. It really doesn't. Because you figure Trotman's you know, usually a minor leaguer, right? Like, that's where he is. Ricola is at least 
you know, this year. I I don't think has Ricola ever seen time in Wilkesbury? No. I didn't think so. So he's an NHL player. You take analytics and stats out of this. Why is an AHL guy being put in over a technical NHL guy? <laughs> like, I understand just... it in the Buffalo game. Right. After what happened in the in the Toronto game, after Ricola got burnt on that, I think it was Kapanen goal. I understand sitting him down and saying, hey, listen, you're going to sit for a game. And you're going to look at the film and you're going to show yourself that you can't do that again. That, again, a full game might be a little drastic, but it's Mike Sullivan. I, I get he's trying to make a point with somebody that's a fringe starter in the NHL. Yeah. Most coaches just say, sit there and you're going to be benched for the rest of the period. Right. And then let him back on the ice. This is two games in a row after the Buffalo game when Zach Trotman looked absolutely horrible. Now he looks horrible in Washington. When they go to L.A., if they don't get one of those two guys back and Trotman is in there over Ricola, I I'm going to lose it. Yeah, they have to look good against L.A. because L.A. is a not a good team, and we need you know our defense to perform. And Zach Trotman, I just don't think, is the answer for a performing defense at this time. And this is the reason that we thought Mike Sullivan, or not Mike Sullivan, excuse me, Jim Rutherford, needs to get a depth defenseman because if we have guys that go down, I don't, no offense to him, and I have in the past, but I don't trust Zach Trotman right now to be on the ice during the NHL playoffs. Right. That's exactly how it goes because we're coming toward playoff time, obviously. It's time to put guys on your roster. Yeah. Put guys on your roster that can, you know, perform in pressure situations. Now is that time. And there's one other guy I wanted to mention. Before we go to our break and come back and talk about Yaromir Yager, lots of fun to talk about with that. Brian Rust is in a slump right now. Yep. He might have had an assist on Sunday in Washington, which was basically give Gino the puck and watch Gino completely embarrass one of the best defensemen, if not the best defenseman in the NHL this season. He's on a slump. They've played 11 games since the All-Star break. Rust has two goals and four assists split between three games. He got three points in that Toronto game on Tuesday, tapping goals all around. So I don't, he hasn't had the same effect on the game that he had before the break for sure. And his finish isn't there, which is even worse. You saw on Sunday he had a couple of breakaways, or at least half breakaways, against Brayden Holtby, and it didn't look good. One of Either he was stoned by Holtby, or on the one breakaway he just whiffed on the puck and it went into the corner. I don't know what was wrong with him, and I don't know what is wrong with him. But if the Penguins want to have any chance of competing this season, they need him, him to step it up again because it's yeah. nice to have Zucker. It's nice to have Zucker on that first line with Crosby. I'm not going to lie. It's really fun. Mm-hmm. It's something that we missed whenever Gensel went down and Crosby came back and Zucker wasn't here. But you need Brian Rust, man. I don't he's, care how red mist Gino is. You need Brian Rust. Yeah, he's your goal-scoring leader on the team right now. But, I mean, yeah, Gino is bound to make a comeback at some point. He's only back by one now, I think. But it's if he's your goal-scoring leader, you need him to score goals. And you can't just stop. And like I mentioned it to you know myself during one of the Toronto games. Just he can't buy a goal right now. It's cl- I don't know what it could be. He was lighting worlds on fire. Now it's just not the same. Not look. It's not that he's not looking good. It's just is it him coming back to reality or is it him just finding a slump? I think it's just him finding a slump. I think he's a consistent goal scorer. Honestly. Mm-hmm. I so. agree. I don't I don't think it's him coming back to his norm. I think it's him being out of the norm and kind of just 
like I said, it's a slump. 11 games, only three of them you record a point in. Yeah, you had a couple multi-point games, but it's something that I think he's going to, he's the big linchpin. The Penguins defense is going to have to sort itself out, but on the forward core, he's the linchpin. He needs to figure it out because once that second line gets going the way that they can, whether that's when Cahoon returns or not, if we have that first and second line running, I have no doubt in my mind that the third and fourth line are going to get the job done. Yeah. There's... It's just, we need rust to just pick it up. Come on. That's all it is. <laughs> the tip of the iceberg. And the Hockey Podcast Network have partnered with NHL Shop to give you, our loyal listeners, the opportunity to up your NHL apparel game. I know right now what I'm looking for, and if anybody finds it for me, I would be very appreciative. I want a diagonal Yarmir Yager jersey, who we'll talk about in a little bit. I want the Penn's diagonal Yarmir Yager jersey. But whether it's NHL memorabilia, hockey cards and collectibles, or even simply team apparel, we've got you covered. Just visit us on Twitter at Iceberg Podcast and click the link in the pinned tweet for awesome deals at NHL Shop. Although it's been a bad weekend, it's time for the Penguins fans to gear up for the 2020 NHL playoffs. Like I said, when we come back, we'll discuss Yarmir Yager and what a potential banner-raising ceremony could look like in Pittsburgh. We'll be back. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. Like I said before the break, I'm looking for a Yarmir Yager Penn's Pittsburgh Diagonal jersey. Actually, somebody at my adult league game earlier today was wearing one of those. Good. As he knows what he's doing. Right. Weird flex, but okay. But I can just uh, staple on a six and an eight onto mine. That's just blank. There you go. Just do that and send it right over. I'll, I'll be very happy. I'll but, charge you the twenty-two dollars that a, a, a side note on this because of Yager. I'll charge you the twenty-two dollars that someone on eBay bought a Washington Capitals screaming eagle Yager jersey where his name was misspelled. Oh jeez. It was Jarg. Oh. oh, I thought it was so funny. I saw it only it only sold for 22 bucks. I said, I need that man's at because I'm going to make him a profit. <laughs> Twenty. I would have spent 50 minimum for it. Like, So what we're talking about is his number retirement in yeah. the bulk of what we want to talk about. A couple of things have come out about him possibly coming and getting his number retired. I mean, it's it's pretty evident that he should have his number retired in Pittsburgh. But the big question is, would he be booed by the Pittsburgh crowd if he returns? You know what? I don't think so because the last few times that he rolled through Pittsburgh with Florida, he wasn't getting booed. He was getting his cheers because he was starting to really come close to and breaking, not the records, but becoming solidified as the second highest point getter in the league. And I believe one of the top goal scorers, I can't remember exactly. Number three. Number three, yeah. So he was really coming through and, making his stu- making his spot and we knew it was all kind of coming to an end the nhl 100 thing was out at that point and he was on there over malkin whatever <laughs> but i mean great of course he was going to be on there why did i say over malkin we knew what i meant he was he was on there he's one of the greatest players of all time and he had his best years here in pittsburgh i don't think they would boom because i think it's at the point of we understand his legacy when we bur- when we boot him early on it was dumb even then but it's 
you know, hockey's a business, and he knows how to play it. He knows how to work it. Mm-hmm. He does. And you know, one person I would boo is my neighbor right now because that car horn is very annoying. I apologize to anybody who's hearing that right now. If it's I didn't even hear it. For me, it's really annoying. So <laughs> boo that. Oh, he fixed it. There we go. Let's continue. Never mind. Boo that man. Just go. <laughs> boo that I, man. I can't hear it if that helps. Keep talking. <laughs> yeah. Yarmer Yager was selected fifth overall by the Pens in 1990. He lied to teams one through four yep. saying he was going to stay in the Czech Republic because he wanted to come to Pittsburgh because he wanted to play with Mario. Even his departure wasn't his choice. The Penguins were going bankrupt. They had to sell him so there would still be a team. The guy won five Art Ross trophies, two Stanley Cup champions, a Hart, Lester B. Pearson Award, twice. He did everything in Pittsburgh. There he- was infighting between him and Mario at one point that may have gone public. Like we weren't old enough to really remember every, every, you know, portion of yes. this. Yes. I would say that if someone out there that knows every portion of it between the 2001 years, very, I'm talking right after he left, not whenever he almost came back and then played with Philly. We get that. <laughs> we, we know that we remember all that, but I mean, yeah, I'm talking early 2000 stuff. Like I'm, sh- I think I heard there was some sort of infighting between the two that led to the departure. It was a different time for Penguins for the Penguins then going bankrupt. Yeah, and it, it, and- it, yeah, I just don't see. I mean, the guy kept your team afloat in the 90s during the Mario many injury stints. Mario was injured a lot in the 90s, and Yarmir Yager is the reason that that team kept going. I mean. Game six of the 99 series versus the Devils is one that you think of. You're down 3-2 to two in a series against Martin Brodeur and that ridiculously good New Jersey Devils team. The he number played one through the seed, groin injury. The number one seed, the Penguins were eight. Yager played through a groin injury, and it is the game he has said is the most important game he's ever played in. Yeah, and he said it on the Pittsburgh's home video, which I happened to watch on what Friday night. Yeah. He said it on that video. He said... You know, you've played. I've played for Stanley Cups in that time, but it's literally a game where it says, "If you lose this game, the team has to move." There's no higher stakes than that. He also has said it in multiple interviews that it's the most important game he's ever played in. He says, like, if he doesn't score either of those goals, the way he put it in the one interview I read is Crosby's playing in Kansas City right now. So I mean, that's just an awful thought. Yeah, because as we know, also from the Pittsburgh is home video. Kansas City was very close to getting the team in 07? 07 or 08, whatever year it was. I don't remember exactly what year that was either. Maybe even 06. I don't remember exactly. But it was, they were very close to getting the team. Like They had yes. the arena and the management ready to go. Yeah. So, like you said, he scores the game-tying goal late in the third. He scores in OT. And he saves the franchise. And I'm not saying, you know, herald him as high as Mario because Mario saved the franchise, brought the franchise, and everything he did. He's he's not on par with Mario. We get that. But he's, he's second or third. He was the owner at that point, so he had already had his hand in saving it at that point. He's done it a couple more times. Yeah. Like I mentioned, Yager, if it goes for all-time Penguins greats, he, I said he's, he's second or third. Crosby might edge him out in second place and kind of be pulling away, but... You happen to write an article Fair. for what? That leads me to my next thing. All right. You happen to write an article for the hockey writers. Yes. And it's basically saying that Malkin is primed. To pass, if, if I'm wrong, correct me. Basically, that Malkin's primed to pass Yager as the third best player in Penguins history because he's he's primed to take over all of his scoring titles. And then you just think is a better Penguin. If, if am I correct in that assumption? I did read it. I just want to make sure I 
summarize it the way you would like it. You're good. I'm actually going to pull it back up uh, just so I have okay. my notes in front of me. <laughs> um, there you go. No, it's a lot of it was going into how the how he's about to pass him and all the penguin numbers. One thing that uh, was mentioned in uh, the Slack chat that I'm in with the hockey writers is we've we've had a lot of fun reading the comments and people just reading the headline and assuming that I'm talking about all time. <laughs> yeah, that's what that's what I wanted to ask first of all was what has been your general response to that because I did see some of the comments and and, and boy. They're coming for the throat. <laughs> oh, I just laugh at them. The first one I saw was a, was a response to the tweet of it, and I just quickly I was like, because right, you have to do this when you see a response. Says, just quickly click the click the profile, and it was a Boston fan. And immediately I'm like, all right, so he didn't read the damn thing. Um, if you read it, I try and say pretty early on that I'm just I'm talking about just the Penguin years, and yeah, I understand what Yager did was phenomenal for this team. He saved the team. He was a big part of when uh, Lemieux was out and injured. But uh, I think you can look at Yager and Malkin in very much the same light in that regard that when when Yager had to take overs because Lemieux was hurt, retired, stuff like that, Malkin has to do the same thing when Crosby gets hurt. It's sad that I'd I'd say gets hurt because we know what happens. Yeah. And I, I don't want you to give away your whole article because it is a fantastic article. Yeah. I want people to go read it. So I, I just wanted to bring it up. And I think what people need to understand is you're not saying, like you mentioned, you're not saying Evgeny Malkin is a better hockey player than Yarmir Yager. We're not saying that Chris Letang is a better hockey player than Paul Coffey was. Right. Paul Coffey is far and away a much better hockey player than Chris Letang. But is Chris Letang a better Pittsburgh Penguin than Paul Coffey? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he passes numbers, and I think he's done – I think it's an argument. I wouldn't say he's far and away better than, than Paul Coffey was when he was a Penguin, but you look at it as the accomplishments while in Pittsburgh, and I think the big thing a lot of people are doing is trying to look at it as accomplishments overall, and you were definitely getting shit-talked a lot. And I just wanted to bring it up because I personally am still of the belief that Yarmer Yager is the third-best Penguin in history with his time in Pittsburgh considered. I still think Malkin needs to do something else. I don't know what he would have to do. Yeah, it's... I can understand both sides of the argument. I was just taking mine because he is close to passing him number-wise. And I mentioned it that all of the important offensive stats for in Penguins history are soon enough, probably by the end of next season, or the, yeah, are going to read Mario number one, Crosby number two, Malkin three, Yager four. So I think... From a standpoint of just numbers, you look at that, you take everything else out of it. All of the backstories, all the injuries, all of awards. You look at those numbers and you're thinking, okay, so that's very clear who your one, two, three, four guys are. Then you obviously do add into the backstories. Yeah, Yager saved it, physically, really did save a team. Malkin had his hand in it and being part of the team that um, almost left in 06 or 07. But like I said, when Malkin has to step up for Crosby's absence, he steps up and takes over the world. Like, that's the way it is. Um, it's the reason why he won He won his MVP. And one thing that I mentioned, too, is that Malkin's got a Calder trophy, man. He's the only, uh, he's the only other Penguin besides Mario to win the Rookie of the Year. Crosby, you can hamper because Ovechkin was that year's winner, and that was just going to be close regardless. Yager lost to Ed Belfour. <laughs> And was like I, from what I remember, but he won in life. Oh yeah, for sure. 
Hockey Reference has the numbers on it. Yager was like fourth or fifth in voting for the for the rookie of the year that year. Yeah. So, so it depends how you take it. Both guys played in eras where it's hard to win a Hart Trophy. Yager always had to play with Lemieux or Gretzky and other great players of the 90s that would probably win Hart Trophies over him, while Malkin's played against Crosby, Ovechkin, and now McDavid. McDavid. Now. Yeah. yeah. So it's hard to add Hart Trophies into the argument, but um, it's important regardless. And honestly, yeah. I haven't seen too many of the comments on it. Well, it's because I just haven't looked back at the story since I posted it other than on my phone, and I don't think the comments work on my phone. Oh, yeah, go through it. It's it's a good chuckle. But yeah. everybody that hasn't read it, go go read it. It's on the Hockey Writers website. I, I believe, do you have a do you have a website for that? Is it HockeyWriters.com? Yeah, it's just the, hockey, .ca? the HockeyWriters.com. I try and also retweet all the stories from the uh, Iceberg Podcast. The account. podcast Twitter. I'm also yes. always tweeting them out. It's usually pretty easy to find them. Yeah, it's a lot of fun to read. I just trying to pull it all up right now everybody go give it a read it's a good article and if you have an opinion on it of course tweet us at iceberg podcast we'd love to see your opinion we'd love to have you guys engaged in the conversation but that should do it for us today the one other thing i did want to mention is we did as we mentioned a little bit in the midst of our episode but we didn't formally mention it both of us were on the Caps Chirp podcast. The good guys, Hockey, Troll, and Polly Cupcakes were kind enough to invite us on. And by kind enough, I mean they backhandedly threw us on their episode 43 for Tom Wilson. I, I, I know it. They say, they claim they didn't do it on purpose. But I think me and you know the truth. I, I think Hockey Troll, there was a little bit of a secondary motivation there in having us on on today's episode. So go over and listen to that. But that is going to be all for this one. You can follow us at Iceberg Podcast on Twitter. Our show is brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can follow them at Twitter at HockeyPodNet. That's every team, everywhere. Hopefully, we'll have a better week, Pens fans. (laughs)